All right, tonight we are going to finish up this section of this series. So we're not going to finish up the series, we're finishing up this section on times and seasons. We're going to be, and there's a very important reason we're going through all these. We're looking at the Christological elements of the uh, holy days of Israel. We started with the Sabbath, uh, the new moon, and, and we're looking into these seasonal events, the annual feast days, and of course the Day of Atonement. And so we're looking at these, and they're going to have, and hopefully you've noticed all along, we are connecting this to our experience in Christ, what's going on in the Christological New Testament. We're going to be using a lot of these when we get to that. So when we get into trying to figure out what's going on in the New Testament for the church, as well as the, the gospel events, they are, uh, our best indicators are tied to these feasts. And so we have uh, several reasons to be studying these. Um, do we need to celebrate all of them? Uh, not necessarily, but it is not a mistake to do so, I don't think. Uh, certainly Pentecost, certainly the Feast of First Fruits, Passover, um, all of those things we, we recognize, well, that's important for us to celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit the death, burial, resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, uh, that we do that. Um, it's really hard to celebrate the Feast of Trumpets because we're really anticipating that as a future event. We look forward to celebrating that trumpet call of God that uh, will draw us into his presence forever. Remember, the purpose of the trumpets was to gather, the gathering in of the saints, and we looked at that last week. Uh, and then, of course, the Day of Atonement, and uh, we, we really don't have a singular day of atonement, although we talked about the benefit, maybe, of taking a day out of the year to reflect upon uh, what it is that man's requirement is to come into right relationship with God. That is repentance. That we come and we are sorry. Godly sorrow produces repentance, so we have a sorrowfulness, a repentant heart, and just remind ourselves in worship that that is the human requirement of God to, of what faith looks like in the salvific event, uh, that it is godly sorrow producing repentance that brings us to trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And so we're not off base celebrating those things. We come down to the Feast of Tabernacles, and unlike several of the other ones, Feast of Trumpets and the Pentecost, uh, the Jewish community has a really hard time identifying what is that really all about, because they miss the the Christ. They miss the Spirit of God. They miss um, uh, the, the coming of Christ and the gathering of the saints. But when it comes to Passover, of course, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they get that because that has historical roots. And similarly, the last one in the year is the Feast of Tabernacles or booths. Um, I think it's uh, Sukkot or something like that in, in the Hebrew today. Um, and it's the uh, uh, obviously connected to a rehearsal of a historical event. And that is they're celebrating God's provision for the 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And that's what they are going to call to do. And so it's kind of interesting that we have here in the law, in this period of time under Moses, that we're going to tell you how to celebrate something that you're actually going to be living for the next 40 years. So there's no reason to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles because you're living in a tabernacle for 40 years. 
but it's really for when you come into the land. And this isn't new. Remember the Feast of First Fruits, Pentecostals are all to wait till you come into the land. Uh, wait till you receive your inheritance, and then when you get there, celebrate these things. And so, uh, probably similarly with the Feast of Tabernacles. So let's go ahead and read this. It's a lengthy portion of Scripture in Leviticus chapter 23, beginning in verse 33, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter, so about 12 verses or so. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. You do no customary work on it. For seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly. You shall do no customary work on it. These are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering and a, and a grain offering, a sacrifice and drink offerings, everything on its day. Besides the Sabbath of the Lord, besides your gifts, besides your vows, and besides all your free will offerings which you give to the Lord. Also, on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. On the first day there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of a beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days." You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths. That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the children of Israel the feast of the Lord. Now we have... Uh, other information in Numbers and in Deuteronomy regarding this Feast of Tabernacles. It is, remember, one of the three major feasts that all Israelite men were supposed to try to make it to Jerusalem for. Um, this would probably be the easiest one because you don't have to find a place to live. You're going to sleep in a, you're going to live in a booth. You're going to build yourself a little shelter. And we have the, the requisite sacrifices that are always stipulated in addition to in addition to, do not think that you can take your normal sacrifice and say, well, this counts as my sacrifice for this event. No, it's always in addition to. This is above and beyond all your other offerings, your free will offerings, your grant, everything else you give. Now, for this holy day, we're going to give more. We're going to have a special gift. I just want to share that a little bit. Um, and... Maybe because of a reactionary to some bad teaching and practices um, by perhaps Catholicism or some others where we always attach a dollar sign to, to worship um, where you know, you're going to pay to get your relatives out of purgatory, have masses for them, things like that, um, which were really instituted when the Vatican was building the Vatican. When Rome was building the Vatican is when indulgences came up, where all of these things, you could buy your way into heaven, essentially, or out of purgatory for those that have already passed. Um, and so what was the old thing? When the, when the sound of the money hits the plate, um, the, yeah, there's, there's some ditty that they did that, uh, boy, as soon as you give that money, it really helps your relative get out of purgatory. Um, and so maybe in reaction against that, 
that we have lost track of the idea that part of celebrating events in our lives should be a extra giving, that I'm going to give extra. And um, I try to, I don't press this because of the, the impression it often leaves on people that the church just wants their money. But it really, uh, I'm not really taking it from the, that perspective at all, but rather this is how you worship and are express thanksgiving is by offering something to God. You are saying, I am thankful for your provision of this child. So a child, when you present your child before the Lord, you're always supposed to bring a special offering, Right? Are you prepared to do that? Well, maybe that's why you're not having kids because you can't afford the offering. No, uh, it's a special offering. When you want to celebrate a wedding anniversary, to bring a special offering and say, praise the Lord, and we're not going to announce it all over the place, but you know between you and God that you're bringing an offering as a celebratory thing. Um, I've been in churches. It's interesting. I, I've, in the mountains of Virginia, which is not very different than West Virginia, um, this is Floyd County, Virginia. If you don't know anything about Floyd County, Virginia, number one bootleg county in the country, historically. Okay, as Floyd, I had a supporting church when I was a missionary uh, in Floyd County, Virginia, and and if it was your birthday, um, they'd say it's your birthday, and that meant that you had to come up and give whatever money was in your wallet and pockets. If it was your birthday, you're celebrating your birthday by giving extra. And people would come and they'd have their pockets full of change or money. I mean, they were ready for this. They knew it was coming. But it was, and then they'd all sing this song, and the person would go up there and give their offering, and it was their happy birthday offering. Well, that has biblical merit to it. And we find that with each of these things, when we want to really celebrate events in our lives, and we want to involve God in it, God says, bring a special offering. Bring a special offering into the house of the Lord and celebrate that way. But we're kind of narcissistic. We want to spend it all on ourselves. We don't want to involve God in our celebrations very much, and so we don't go there very much. But I want you to notice that we have several passages. Listen, all of this is in addition to, you want to celebrate these things, you want to really celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, special offering. You want to celebrate his birth, special offering. You want to celebrate coming out of the Holy Spirit, special offering. And usually what pastors do, they only want special offerings when they're in a building program or something like that. <laughs> Again, it's, it's not an act of worship and celebration. It's an act of we got to raise funds for this. Well, that's not... The purpose of this, the purpose isn't to generate funds. The purpose is that this is how I involve and, and show my thanksgiving to God for giving me another year of life, for giving me another year of wonderful marriage, for giving me this child, uh, or whatever, and that we do it through this offering. And again, it's not, it doesn't have to be a lot, because remember, the widow's might. Um, and so Jesus Christ, or the law says, you know, here's, here's what you should give when you have your firstborn son, but here's an alternative, lesser one, if you don't have a lot of resources available to you. And for Jesus Christ's presentation day, it was that lesser offering, two total loves. And so we have the, the, the opportunity, though, to just, I'm not going to come before the Lord empty-handed. 
And that is a very strong principle all through the law of worship. Do not come before the Lord empty-handed. Okay? And so I take that very, because I'm a literalist and you all know that. <laughs> I take that very literally. That I, and so I don't just, I get paid once a month, but I'm not just going to give once a month. I do not come before the Lord empty-handed. And so I have, I know how much that is. I need to divide that by how many weeks I'm going to visit. I'm going to be in church, and I'm going to make sure that each week I'm going to put in that much. So I never come before the Lord empty-handed. It's a biblical principle you see consistently. And here, similarly, you want to come and celebrate the goodness of God? Um, you should come prepared. If you want to involve God in that, uh, bring an extra gift beyond your regular giving uh, to declare. It's a way of declaring to God how thankful you are for what he has done for you. Okay? So I don't do a lot of teaching in this area because um, many people take it the wrong way, but I don't think this group will. I think you understand what I'm saying. Uh, we don't need your funds. Uh, the church has never needed funds uh, because God provides through willing givers. So I'm not trying to twist your arm to give more. I'm just telling you if you want to uh, do this um, well and the best, this is the best. Okay? And so you want to celebrate something and you want to involve God in that celebration, this is how you do it. This is how Israel's to do it. This is how the church did it. Uh, bring a special offering. And do it. Yes. Yeah. You, the offering doesn't have to be money. So, um, some of you bring all this food for us all to eat between Sunday school and church sometimes because it was left over from a celebration. I think. I don't think you made it for that. And, and but so again. I'm not making a big deal of this, but I'm making a deal out of this because it's in the scriptures. And so therefore, I have every right to present to you as a principle of, of godly celebrations. Don't come empty-handed before the Lord. And that, that is a principle God says, don't you come to me empty-handed because that just shows you're not thankful. And that's true here. So, Feast of Tabernacles. Um, we are on the 15th day of the seventh month. Uh, remember, we don't know whether the month starts with the full moon or the dark moon, uh, whatever the new moon is. So that's day one. The first day then, or day zero, that's the new moon, is day zero. Day one is the Feast of Trumpets, correct? And so we have that day. So we have probably a triple Sabbath because we have the 28th day, of the, then the 29th or Zero is the new moon, and then you have the Feast of Trumpets. So a probability of a three Sabbaths in a row there at the beginning of the seventh month, end of the sixth month, begin the seventh. We have the Day of Atonement, which is a day of mourning and of affliction, no feasting, no eating, uh, mourning and sorrow uh, and affliction. And if you don't afflict your soul, you're not part of the people of God. Very strong, that's it strongest negative statements you can make here in Leviticus 23. You are not part of God's people. You'll be expelled if you party on the Day of Atonement. If you think the Day of Atonement is about partying or even just going about your normal life. If you're not afflicting your soul, that you are not part of the people of God, 
which remember last week we talked about, if repentance is a part of your experience, if you've not had godly sorrow that produces weeping over your sinful state, then you need to reevaluate, am I part of the people of God? If that's not been my experience. So now we come to the Feast of Tabernacles in the same month. And it's the 15th day of the month. What does that tell you? What is the 14th day of the month? The normal Sabbath. So again, we have a Sabbath, and then we have another Sabbath back to back. You see, um, several times during the year, in the Jewish calendar, there are weekends. <laughs> and so there, there's two days together. So you have the 14th day is a Sabbath, the 15th day is a Sabbath, and then you're going to celebrate for seven days, and then you're going to have another Sabbath, which would have been after. So you have a double Sabbath at both ends, bookends. Okay, so you're going to have... Um, let's just, to help you figure this out, let's just move this into, so you're going to have a Sabbath, your 14th day. 15th day is the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, also Sabbath, no customary work, so you have two days. Then you're, so that's 14, 15, then you're going to have 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. What is 21? A regular Sabbath, Right? And so now, either that ends it, or, but it talks about an eighth day. There's an eighth day Sabbath. So now you have an extra Sabbath after that, seven days. So now 21 and 22 becomes a Sabbath. And so essentially, you're going to have two Sabbaths. You're going to have living in booze and two Sabbaths. And so you have this period of time uh, that, that is a lot of worship going on. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles is, God gives us this. This is what you're doing this for, to commemorate something in the past. To commemorate what? Commemorate that you were in the wilderness 40 years and I took care of you. I took care of you for those 40 years wandering the wilderness. Uh, that you didn't have a home. You didn't have what a food supply. <laughs> a normal food supply, you didn't have farms, vineyards, you didn't have any of that, yet you ate. Uh, you did not have a Walmart, but your clothes never ran out. You were never naked, right? And, and so you were cared for. And you celebrate this by reenactment. And reenactment is a very powerful tool of celebration. Do we do any of that today? Reenactments. A little bit. Nativity scenes, all right, we reenact the nativity of Christ, good. Any other reenactments we kind of do? All right, we commemorate, um, we commemorate national things with battle scenes reenacted. Today is D-Day? Is today the, the, the anniversary of D-Day is today? And so they were going to have... Uh, somebody went out there and drew, they went out there with all these volunteers and they had these cardboard cutouts of like dead bodies uh, and they went out on the beaches of Normandy. Did you see that? And they had all these volunteers go out there and on Normandy beaches, which is a U.S. section of D-Day, and they drew out exactly how many outlines of bodies died that day. Very powerful. And so, and they had the drones taking pictures above, and so you see all these, and they had like, I don't know how many different kinds of cutouts they had, shapes of bodies, 
and they had it. Look it up and see it. It's very interesting. I don't know what year they did that, if it was this year or, or when it was, but it just came up on my feed this week um, and did that. And, and it, how long would it last? Till the tide came in. It's just written in the sand. And they'd had hundreds of people volunteer to do that in Europe to commemorate the American sacrifice on Normandy's sand. And they drew all these bodies out, and it just, the whole Normandy beach was covered with these. And so we have those kinds of things. Uh, when we do this, we, uh, to act out the past, there are very powerful reinforcements. And so this is what Israel is to do. You're in these wonderful homes, uh, you're, and the temple of God is, is a, Solomon built this wonderful temple, yet once a year, you're going to leave your house for a week. And you're going to live in a booth. Now, um, we have other instructions later on of what was entailed. We have some here that tells you what you're supposed to be using to build and to care for your booth. In verse 40, it says you're going to take on the first day of this feast, of the Feast of Booths, you're going to build your booth. What are you going to build it out of? The beautiful trees, fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. You shall rejoice for the Lord your God for seven days. And this still goes on today. And in fact, they have very specific rules that you have to build this out of all natural things. You cannot have any man-made elements. In other words, you're not going to go down to the lumber yard and get stuff to build this. All out of stuff that you're going to cut off of nature, including the roof, and so you're not going to use plastic over your roof to protect you from the rain, nothing like that. In fact, it, I, I think it's in the Mishnah that you have to be able to see the stars through the roof. And so they're going to put branches on there. They're decorated all in natural things, fruits and nuts and things like that. And, and, and that's what they do. It has to have three sides and a ceiling that you can see through. Uh, and nowadays they light it up as well. They have lights. They have all, they, some of them are really elaborate. If you see some pictures of the Feast of Tabernacles in Israel today, um, they really, it's a huge party. It's a huge celebration. And one of the things is every night you're supposed to invite another family to your booth. So it's all about their fellowship as well with one another. That we all endured this in our forefathers' experience. This is for all Israel. And that's what God says here. All Israel will keep this forever as a statute. How long is forever? In Zechariah chapter 14, the Feast of Tabernacles is also still practiced in the Millennial Kingdom. The Day of Atonement isn't, but the Feast of Tabernacles is still celebrated, I think it's Zechariah 14, in the Millennial Kingdom. They're still going to do this then to commemorate God's provision. And again, we are celebrating a historical event where God supernaturally cared for an, a huge population out in the wilderness uh, incredibly. Uh, Passover is a celebration of the exodus itself, uh, but we have this opportunity to celebrate that 40 years, our clothes never wore out, we ate manna and there's still some manna on the earth where is it you know in the ark of the covenant 
There is a container of manna in the Ark of the Covenant, and it doesn't go bad. It goes bad if you go out and try to harvest it on the seventh day of the week, because then it spoils. But it doesn't, and so there is some manna on the earth today, somewhere, wherever the Ark of the Covenant is. That's kind of weird thinking, huh? Never thought about that. There's still manna on the earth. Um, I don't recommend trying to go eat it because you're probably going to die. Um, not eating it, but opening the container to get to it is kind of dangerous. So we come to this celebration of God's powerful provision of water from a rock at Hebron, of the quail coming in, and all this provision, not just for one occasion, but every day, daily provision of God to meet all of your needs uh, when you are following after him. Now, what necessitated these 40 years of wandering in the wilderness? Their disobedience. Isn't that fascinating? We are not celebrating that Israel was following God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and being the great people of God. We are celebrating God took care of us even in our condition of disobedience. God still took care of us because we're his people. And that generation had to die in the wilderness save two men. They had to die in that wilderness. But God took care of them all along the way for 40 years. But that 40 years was necessitated by their disobedience. So we kind of have this little reminder in the background of the Feast of Tabernacles. Why did you have to live 40 years? That's why I think the Day of Atonement precedes the Day of Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles. That Day of Atonement precedes that. It's a reminder we were disobedient. We, we broke this covenant many times with God, and, and we, we disobeyed God, and we, we were fearful when we should have been trusting. And then, uh, so we celebrate that at the, the Day of Atonement, and then uh, just a few days later, you're going to start celebrating God's care for you, God's provision for us, uh, even in this condition of being under, technically, they were under a curse the whole time. Does God turn curses to blessings? Sure he does. All the time. Uh, and an Old Testament example, of course, would be Levi, right? Uh, was Levi cursed or blessed? The answer is yes. Cursed by his father because he participated in that horrible act there that, that made Jacob stink, he says to the neighbors, where they... Uh, just slaughtered all the men of that city who wanted to marry their sister. And so he was cursed by his dad. Levi was cursed. And that curse uh, was not lifted. It was never lifted. It was changed to a blessing because Levi stood for God when Israel was disobeying there at Sinai. And so their curse was the same. You'll not have a portion among your brothers. So did they have a portion among their brothers? Not their own inheritance. They didn't have their own inheritance. And that's why, you know, Simeon is also inside of Judah. And so we have, uh, they have, but because they stood for God later on, God says, I'm going to make you my priests. Uh, I'm, you're going to have a scattered inheritance, but you're going to be my priests. So God doesn't take away the consequences of the curse, 
He uses that curse and now blesses it. Isn't that interesting? But we, when we say, well, this act in my history disqualifies me, but now I want to follow after God with all my heart, uh, we can easily say, well, I just want to pretend that never happened. No, you can't do that. What you do is you accept the, the consequences of that act or that decision of disobedience that disqualified you from this, but then you see, well, God will open doors for you to be a blessing and be blessed in a different environment or different role. And that's what happened with Levi. That's what happened here. We are celebrating God's blessing even while we are wandering the wilderness under a curse. Incredible opportunity to celebrate some, some powerful images and principles of God that he has put there. So you're doing this with offerings all along the, the week, and we're celebrating it. We are feasting before the Lord every day. Uh, we are uh, in our booths. We are not using our homes. We are, we are camping out for a week. And we are engaging each other in fellowship. Now, we're going to take this word tabernacle because it is used in another sense. The Bible says that Jesus Christ tabernacled with us. That interesting use of term. Why would they say he tabernacled with us? It's referring to Jesus Christ becoming man and living among us. That he tabernacled with us. And the connection to the Feast of Tabernacles is a very strong one. That we have this concept that Jesus Christ came and came into this environment and lived with us for that season. 30 years, give or take. That we have him tabernacling with us. That this isn't his home. His home is heaven. He left his father to come with us and he's going to return to his father. He knew this was temporary. It was a temporary dwelling. Was he temporarily in the flesh? No, he is permanently the God-man. But his living among us was temporary. It was not his kingdom. When he comes in the, in the millennial kingdom, then he comes to rule and reign. But this is not the kingdom era. The, the season of Christ in the Gospels is the tabernacling time. He tabernacled with us. He came for a short time for a, and, and really under a, kind of a tent circumstance for him. You and I don't think of 30 years as tenting, but um, from God's perspective, that's psh, drop, you know, 30 years dropping a hat. Um, and so we find that this is a, a real Christology here talks about the fact that Jesus Christ came and took on the form of a servant, became flesh, became man, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And that's another element I forgot to talk about already. Uh, we beheld his glory, glory as of the Father. And so we get to see God as he tabernacles with us. Remember, the Feast of Tabernacles is all about fellowship. It's about thanksgiving. It's commemorating God's miraculous provision. Can you see the attachment of all these concepts to Jesus Christ? And then one of the reasons that you're supposed to be able to see through the roof is not for during the day, it's for during the night. In fact, it specifically says you must be able to see the stars. 
Why would that be important in your celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles? Remember, you're reenacting 40 years in the wilderness. What was going on 40 years in the wilderness? They were wandering. Where did they go? How did they decide where to go? They're like pulling teeth here, people. All right, we have a cloud by day. Maybe not such a big deal, but what was it at night? Pillar of fire. You have a fire out there that over the tabernacle area that you could go outside your tent every day and say, well, God is among us. God is with us. There's the cloud by day. There's the fire by night. God is with us. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. So why do you want to see through your roof during the Feast of Tabernacles? Because you want to see that God is with you. You want to see it right through your roof even during this week. Well, their stipulation, you want to see the stars and the handiwork of God, celebration. They've kind of made a naturalistic celebration, worshiping nature almost. In some of the cases, in especially secular Jews, kind of make it this worship of nature, Earth Day kind of thing, uh, because everything of their booth has to be natural. Um, but really, it, its imagery is that we're, we're, we're celebrating God is in our midst, even when we are under a curse because of our disobedience. God's in our midst. He's caring for us. He's providing for us, even though we're wandering around the wilderness in tents and not being able to build homes yet. You know, kind of like the Gonzales for the last four years, five years, right? Are we ever going to get that thing built? I don't know. I keep trying. I haven't tried very hard lately, though, so that's on me. But uh, that we would just consider, you know what? I don't need that. God can be with me in a tent. God is with me in the wilderness. God is with me even when I've made some stupid choices in my past, but now I'm going to follow that cloud. I'm going to follow that fire. I'm going to follow the Lord, and he will meet all your needs. Another promise of God. Philippians, my God shall supply all your needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus. Feast of Tabernacles is a great opportunity to do that. And we all like camping out. And this is in the fall, September. They're also supposed to bring their latter harvest. This is the end of the latter harvest. Remember, there's two harvest periods in Israel. They're supposed to bring the fruits of the latter harvest during this time. So it's also a time of great plenty. And whenever there's plenty, we want to share, we want to invoke, we want to be giving and, and celebrating God's work not only in our lives, but in the history of our people. And that's what Israel has an opportunity to do. But we see some very powerful Christological things here going on if we just think to look. Um, and remember that the entity we call God leading Israel meeting Moses on the mountain, eating with the 70 elders, uh, leading Israel through the wilderness, we understand that to be Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate, right? That when you see that terminology in Scripture, that Lord, that you are referring to Jesus, that's who they're seeing, that's who they're engaging with, that's the voice they're hearing, is the second person of the Godhead, because no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten of the Father, he has declared him. And so when you see manifestations of God in the Old Testament going all the way back to, its, to walking with Adam in the garden, this is pre-incarnate Jesus. And so 
Jesus was the one they were looking at. Jesus was supplying those needs, and we can share in that, that testimony that my God will supply all my needs in Christ Jesus. And this is about a dependency, that we can be truly dependent upon God, and he is trustworthy to care for us. And we're celebrating this feast before the Lord and um, offering that up, um, offering up our, ex, our expressions of thanksgiving. And again, those expressions are focused on giving above and beyond. And that that is how we express thanksgiving to God. So what if you've had a really bad week? And the Feast of Tabernacles is the next day. How do you make yourself happy? Because that was the requirement. You had to come before the Lord with thanksgiving and joy. Feasting with joy. Do you think some people had their spouse pass away the week before the Feast of Tabernacles? Or maybe during? How do you maintain a feast of joy when you have the hardships of life that just come up sometimes? You have to have an attitude of repentance. That it's not all about me. What else? You're going to meditate on God's word. Yes. You're going to remind yourself all of the things God has done for you. You see, we, we, can, we can wallow in sorrow, can't we? And that's how you get into a state of depressiveness, is wallowing in self-pity and sorrow. But if we wallow, <laughs> I want to use the word wallow, in the goodness of God, if we rehearse that within ourselves, we can take sadness and make it joy. Remember, Israel was in a state of cursed. They were in the wilderness. They were not in the promised land. But they were cared for. What you are reminding yourself is God is taking care of me. Though the hardships of life are buffeting me, I can still be okay. And I can be joyful. I can even celebrate by giving and by living in a booth and fellowshipping with other people. All are very, very good things to do when you're grieving. They are the best things to do when you're grieving. Worst things to do is isolate yourself. Think about what you're missing out on. I miss, I miss, I miss, I miss. I hear that a lot. And, and find comfort in the, in the bottom of a bottle. Those are horrible things. The best thing to do is to be around people that love you and that love God, to remind yourselves of the goodness of God, and, and this is what brings joy. So I wouldn't like to finish tonight by having you turn in your hymn book to a song that you all know very well. And it was written by a man who lost his family at sea. Which book? Which song? It is well with my soul. How can you write that when you have sorrowful circumstances? Well, you have to do what you do in the Feast of Tabernacles and remind yourself God always is faithful to take care of his own, even when they've screwed things up a bit in their past. Even in those conditions, God is faithful when we aren't. 
So let's turn and sing, It Is Well With My Soul. What's the number? 529. Let's stand. We're going to finish tonight with 529. I think this is one of the coolest songs to sing during the Feast of Tabernacles. It's not the Feast of Tabernacles, but I think it goes along with the principle that, you know, the Day of Atonement, you're not allowed to be happy. <laughs> you afflict your soul. You sorrowful. You grieve. Uh, and then just a few days later, be happy. Rejoice. Because God's forgiveness and provision, his faithfulness, is what you're depending upon. And that's, no matter the circumstance of life, we can sing a song like that. So let's sing it together. Lord God, we thank you for the, your faithfulness and for your care for us and for all that we see in these celebrations that you've called for, that we might be reminded of your goodness, your grace. And Lord, help us to be a people filled with thanksgiving because we have been regularly reminded each Lord's Day and on these special occasions throughout the year that you are a good and loving God who has graced us beyond measure. And Lord, help us to be at peace in all circumstances, to stand fast in our faith because we know that you are God and we are your people and that you will not ever abandon us. And for this, we praise you and thank you tonight. In Christ Jesus' name, amen.